0: Christians out there that don't believe in hell? Yes. 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 Strange. Strange, in my opinion. Because why did Jesus come and die on the cross for our sins? To keep us out of hell. It's obvious. It makes more sense. There's power in the cross when you recognise hell. There's power in his forgiveness and in the blood of Jesus when you recognise hell exists. If you don't think hell exists, well then we're going to look at the scriptures. And if you're still not convinced, then you've got to check your heart with the spirit I believe, because hell is a real doctrine of the Bible. Jesus spoke on hell a lot, as, as does other commentators in the Bible as well. But we're going to go to uh, Luke 12, verse 4, and we're going to hear what Jesus has to say. And it says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. What's he saying? Don't be afraid of men, or don't be afraid of circumstances. Don't be afraid of world events. Don't be afraid of anything like that. He says this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Do some Christians not fear God? Have you heard Christians say, I don't fear God. Why do I fear God? He's a God of love. Why should I fear Him? Has anyone had that feeling? Why should I fear Him? Well, do you know how many scriptures pertain to the fear of God? Hmm. There are literally, you know, probably up to a hundred at least. I've looked through that tell us to fear God. And every promise. There's a, a, a sermon that I did about active called activating the promises of God. And every promise in the scriptures, if you look, if you look up the word, if you look up fear, the fear of God. Every promise in the scriptures is attached to the fear of God. Every promise. Mark my words, if you look, if you watch this sermon, it's called Activating the Promises of God. Every promise given in the scriptures is conditional upon the fear of God. That's interesting when you get a lot of churches that don't believe in the fear of God, a lot of Christians that don't believe in fear in God. Why should we fear God? I've heard it recently. Some very godly men I thought, and then they telling me, Oh, I don't fear God. So why you don't fear God? What did Jesus say? I'll tell you who you should fear. I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after killing the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So what he's saying is, why should you fear him? Because he has the power to throw you into hell. We fear someone who has the power to throw you into hell. You know, a a normal person would fear a judge in a court. Why? Because he has the power to throw a person into jail. Or he has the power to put someone in, into, you know, give them a death sentence. Mm. So you would fear the judge, in a sense. But that's, you know, that's an analogy because could that be any worse than going to hell? Getting thrown into into jail? You know, to get thrown into jail would be pleasure compared to going to hell. You know, how many of you have actually visualised or thought about or had dreams of, even, of hell? Mm. How many of you have, you, have you let... the the reality of hell really get into your heart. And what I mean by that is, if you let the reality of hell impact you, it can change you in so many ways. You know, doctrines of love in the scriptures are beautiful. God loves us. Jesus died for for us. But the doctrine of hell and the fear of God will keep us holy will keep us looking to Him, will keep us in prayer, will keep us reading the Scriptures, will keep us committed unto death. Amen? Mm-hmm. we got to have a, a, a respect for what God has said about hell. We must have it. If we mess this, if we mess this doctrine up, we mess our whole Christian life up. If it's not clear. And you know, not many churches preach on hell anymore because it's not very savoury. It's bitter, isn't it? But you know what? If you eat bitter herbs, after a while you get to like bitter herbs. Not that you get to like hell, but you get to appreciate the doctrine. You know what I mean? Stop eating candy. (laughs) If you keep eating candy, you can't handle bitter herbs. You know what I mean? So this doctrine is important. Who thinks so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, We've got to find it in the Scriptures. Jesus said, I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear Him who after the death of the body has the power to, say it together, throw you into hell. You know what? If this wasn't in the Scriptures, I wouldn't preach it. I wouldn't preach this doctrine if it wasn't in the Scriptures. But would I be a very like a, a pastor that neglects his congregation if I didn't preach on it? Wouldn't it be terrible if you went your whole Christian life and never heard the doctrine of hell? And when you heard it, it sounds so unfamiliar, you just reject it. Wouldn't that be terrible? And what a disservice I would be to you if I didn't preach on hell because you're missing out on understanding why Jesus came. Because you know, so many people don't understand what the cross was all about. Jesus already says, it's for this reason that I came. It's for this reason. This is my whole reason for existing in in a human form to put on a flesh, clothe myself in a flesh nature so I could come to earth and save men from hell. So I've come to save you. I've come to keep you from going there. That's powerful. It's powerful news. That's good news. But if you don't have hell in the picture and you start telling the good news, people go, I don't need salvation, I'm doing really well. (laughs) Got a beautiful car, got a beautiful home, I've got a great job, got plenty of money, have great friends, have a really good time on the weekend. I don't need Jesus. Yes, you do. But if you don't tell them about hell, they don't appreciate how much they need Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a savoury doctrine for the world? It's not. But does that mean we don't speak about it? Does that mean we don't tell them about it? No. We've got to do it gently and sensitively. We've got to reach out with wisdom. We've got to pick our moments. We've got to describe the realities of God. If people don't believe in God, don't start talking about hell. Get them to believe in the existence of God first. Amen. The doctrine of hell is that comes later because you, you've got to get them just to believe in God and then you've got to get them accountable to a holy God. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to make them realise that you sin and that sin deserves eternal punishment. Yes. Yes. And a, as I was explaining to Stephen yesterday, you know, my 102-year-old grandma who gave her life to Jesus, thankfully, thank God, and we just spoke to her just the other day and we are whispering because my mum's an atheist and she, she's done it in secret. You know She's 102. So we don't know how many more years. We're not trying to get her to convert my mum. We're just trying to keep her converted, you know, keep her reading the scriptures, and we're whispering, you know, on the phone, "Are you reading the Bible?" She goes, yes. She says, "I'm about to go to bed early now," you know, meaning I'm about to go and read the Bible. 102 years old, guys. 102. I had the honor of bringing my 102 year old grandma. I still freak out about that. <laughs> that's, you know, that's just, oh man. Remember before we went, I said, please pray? Yes. Remember that? I saw the yes. sermon the other day. Yes. I, um, I ended up with the sermon where I was saying, please pray, you know, that I can reach her, you know. And uh, I said this to her I said, because she could see, she's 102, she could see, understand sin, she could see the effects of sin in the family, she saw what sin has done in her family. She's seen all her children divorced and gone through all that. She's seen the mess of all this stuff we call sin. And she understood that. And I said, well, now, this is what the cross is. I said, there was a, a, uh, a king, and he, he passed the, uh, the law in his kingdom that anyone who transgressed this law will get 50 lashes minus one. Or is it 40 lashes? <laughs> it should be 40 lashes, I think, yeah. minus one. And uh, the first person to transgress that law was his own mother. And so the king was in a dilemma. If he, if he enforces the law, his mother's going to get the lashes. If he doesn't enforce the law, his, his whole kingdom or his whole, uh, you know, he's a farce hmm. as a king. And so he had to give his mother 40 lashes minus one. His own mother. Anyway, she, as she was coming towards the, the post where they were going to tie her to give her the lashes. He stepped down and said, I'll take them in her place. Justice must be fulfilled, but I'll take them on my own back so my mother doesn't have to take it. And that is what Jesus did for us. Yes. Would you not do that for your children? Yes. You know, that's the sort of God, that's the sort of father we have. Mm-hmm. He's willing to take it. Mm-hmm. And Jesus took it, he took it all, he took everything we deserve so that we don't have to go to hell. And all we have to do is just Thank Him and serve Him and live for Him. And let His Word transform us. Let His Holy Spirit transform us. You have a Holy Spirit in you. Your Holy Spirit in you is holy. And so you must be holy because the Holy Spirit's in you. You can't have the Holy Spirit in you and take drugs. You can't have the Holy Spirit in you and do sinful activities. And you're not covered by grace to do those things. That's not what grace is. Grace is the power to live a holy life. Grace, they give you grace so you can live a holy life. That's what grace is. Grace is an activation in you to be holy, to be righteous. You know, you're free from sin. You're not free to sin. That's what it is. That's grace. Not a license. Not a license. It's not a license. Paul spoke against license. We've read that. And so that's what Jesus did. He died so that we could be made holy. He took uh, the punishment uh, at the city gate where he was whipped and beaten and battered and bruised so that we could be holy. That's what the word says. So we must become a holy people. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. Amen. Is there any other gospel? You know, you change these fundamentals of the gospel, you don't have the gospel anymore. When you start changing them, it says even if an angel in heaven should preach a gospel other than what I preach to you, let him be condemned eternally condemned. So if you're under a gospel that is not teaching, you to be, uh, not teaching you to live a holy life, if you're under a gospel that doesn't teach about hell, if you're under a gospel that doesn't talk about the cross and how, he, how you escaped hell because of what Jesus did on the cross, and if it's teaching prosperity, you've got to wonder, what am I under here? Am I under a, a, a gospel that will condemn not only the person preaching it, but me as well, by listening to it and absorbing it and not checking it out? Amen? Check me out. i Am always. I always trying to tell you that? Go mm-hmm. home. Don't take my word for it. Double check me. Keep me honest, and I'll try to keep you honest. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep moving. Now, the subject of hell. Every now and again, I like to look at the doctrine of hell. I haven't done one in, a I think it was nearly two years, and I thought, wait, it's time. I speak about hell, but I haven't done one on hell. Today, I want to help us to understand a bit more about what many people think and teach about hell, and I want you to get a first-hand glimpse glimpse into the fact that hell is not in our imaginations, but it is a very real and controversial topic that a number of religions believe, and most intellectuals wrestle with, and today there are many who actually desire to go there, would you believe? Would you believe the 20th century, 21st century, how crazy it's got that certain pop stars want to go to hell? Mm -hmm. Remember Freddie Mercury? Who, who, who was he the lead singer of? Queen. Queen. Everyone knows Freddie Mercury. Yeah. They asked him in an interview, and you can, you can look it up on YouTube, and they said, you know, they're talking about where he's going to go when he dies, and he says, oh, I want to go where, all, where the party is. I'm going to hell.
1: Mm.
0: He wanted to go there. He says, I didn't want to go where all the boring people are. Mm. He wants to go where the party is. Well, he can have that party on his own. Mm. Right. I like going to a barbecue. I don't like being in the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, people love to use the hell card to claim God is some murderous maniac who places men on this planet, hides himself from them, and then holds them accountable for the sin they commit, and gets a great deal of pleasure throwing them into the fires of hell. That's what people think. Who's heard that, yeah. mm-hmm. Who's had a debate with an atheist, and that's what you sort of get thrown at you. And it's like, oh, where do I begin? How do I get around this? You know, they've already judged God. Isn't that interesting? It's like going into a courtroom and standing there and there's the judge and you start judging him. You know, you're condemned. I don't like what you're saying to me. Come on, man. You don't walk into the judge's room and tell him what's what and judge him. God's the judge. He has the final say. He's the final authority. And who are we to question him? If there's a hell in the Scriptures, say it, firstly, I just accept that. I just accept that firstly. Get that part out of the way. And then after that, I start looking into the reasons why. You know, some people are condemned to hell because of their actions, the way they live, the way they reject God. They deliberately ignore the fact that God desires for men to not go to hell. God doesn't want anyone. does the scripture say that? God does not want anyone to go to hell, but he also wants a loving people. He wants the people that love him, want to come to him. Want to just sit on his lap, you know what I mean, and be a be a child to him, be a child of God, you know. That's what he wants. He wants those kinds of people. And why wouldn't he? What do you say to the people that hate you, "Oh, come and live with me"? It's just not. Doesn't make sense to invite people that hate you into your kingdom. If you hate someone, don't expect to go to their parties. <laughs> They deliberately ignore the fact that God desires for men to not go to hell so much that He made repudiation for their sins so that they can receive forgiveness just by believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. How easy is that? Just believe in Jesus. Find out who He is. Find out who He is, the most wonderful man, God, man, who ever existed. And that He's, he's worthy of our worship. Amen. Is He worthy of our worship, yes. Jesus Christ, for what He did? I tell you what, if someone came up, you know, a a bus is bearing down on you and someone come and pushed you out of the way and took the hit and he's laying in hospital later, would you go in and, you wouldn't worship him, but wouldn't you be very, very thankful? You'd be saying, mate, you laid your life down for me. Man, I'm indebted to you. You know, we're indebted to Jesus Christ. We're indebted to him. He owns us. Actually, the word says, he owns us. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he made propitiation for our sins so that, that that we can receive forgiveness just by believing in his Son Jesus Christ and turning from sin and living for God. And that is what I call a loving and merciful God. All we've got to do is turn from sin. What's that called?
1: Okay. Repentance.
0: Yes. Is repentance a very little taught doctrine today? Mm-hmm. I was, it's strange, it's strange. The very, very basic doctrines of the faith don't get taught anymore. And I know I've brought it up for a, a, a number of you would have heard me say it. Andy and Sharon look, looking for a church. We're looking for a church that preaches on sin, repentance, um, holiness, yeah. hell, heaven and hell. And Sharon laughed and said, good luck finding that. Yeah, Shouldn't that be the case? Why? Is there another Bible out there or something that I don't know of that people are reading? They're not reading it. They're not reading it. (laughs) This is my theory. This is my theory. Um, The reason why they're not preaching on it, uh, and I'm pretty sure this will probably prove true, is that many ministers today are trying to do what other ministers are doing who are having success. Who, so they've got a church of you know our size and another minister is a church with a thousand people. So they read the books of that minister and then they start preaching the same pre- the same teachings. They start doing the same things that they recommend to do and they start functioning the same way so that they can get the same level of success. So in the process of that, they start dropping key doctrines that don't sound good from the pulpit mm-hmm. so that people don't feel threatened, that they can come into church and feel... This is a wonderful place to be, you know. They teach nice things. I feel good. I walk away feeling good, you know. You know, some people walk away from here feeling quite convicted. They walk out feeling, "Man, I'm a dirty rotten scoundrel. I better go home and get right with God." You know, but if, is that good for Christians to feel that sometimes? If you're going in the wrong way, if you're doing the wrong thing, should we not get corrected? And I don't want to tell any of you individually, sit down with you and say, listen, you're doing this and this and this and this and this. Clean up your act. That's what I do with the children. <laughs> it doesn't work there, right? <laughs> so I don't you do that. that. I just do it by the Holy Spirit. I just speak. Lord, what do you want me to say today? I'm not going to you know, sacrifice what you want to say by trying to keep to my notes. You know what I mean? I just got to say what you want me to say. And if it touches anyone's heart, fantastic fantastic. If it gives you conviction and you go home and you go, man, I've got to get right with God. Because I'm not where I should be. I'm not holy. The Holy Spirit must be with me because I do things I shouldn't do. Who knows? The Holy Spirit won't sit down with you to watch pornography. Holy Spirit won't be there. Don't kid yourself thinking he'll just do this. I'll stay in you and I'll just cover my eyes, get it out of the way and then I'll you know, when you walk away, I'll, I'll be back. Can you grieve the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Can the Holy Spirit depart from a man? Mm-hmm. Right? If that man becomes excessively wicked, do you think a, the Holy Spirit would hang around with a murderer who goes out each weekend and kills? And then on Monday he starts repenting? And then on Sunday he goes out and kills again? Then Monday he repents? And the next Sunday goes out and kills you. Will the Holy Spirit be there? You know, that's, these are large things I'm talking about. But it happens at a lower level too. We've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit in me? If not, Lord, come upon me now. We've got to clothe ourselves with the Holy Spirit. What does Paul say? He says, I die daily. What does that mean? He sacrifices himself, person, so that the Holy Spirit can have full reign in his life. So that the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit can come upon him and he can work for God that day or live for God. I should say work, but it is work, but it's living for him. Living from him and being holy. Is holiness a work? No. Holiness is not a work. Holiness is just what we should do. We should just behave ourselves. It's not a work to do good, it's just behaving yourself, being obedient. Obedience is like that. What's a work? Think of a work. Give me two or three examples. Because God prepared in advance good works for us to do. So what's a good work? Witnessing. Mm -hmm. Feeding homeless people.
1: Witnessing.
0: Witnessing, Telling people about Jesus. Anything else? Caring. Caring, Praying for people. Going in the hospitals and praying for people. Mm -hmm. Right? They're works, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Right? Do they save you? No. No. You just do them. And you do them, and God blesses you because you build treasure in heaven for doing them, don't you? Mm-hmm. And if you really live to do good works, and you've you got it all in perspective, it's not saving you, it's got nothing to do with salvation, you end up getting blessed in the life to come. So but do more good works, because you want to build up treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping I'll get to heaven and there's a really good house waiting for me. <laughs> I not want a big mansion on earth, I'm waiting for the one in heaven. <laughs> right, a moral conundrum. Uh, W.E.B.D. Boyce said the theology of the average church is basing itself far too much upon hell. So this guy's a, an atheist, basing itself far too much on hell. So this must have been quite a few years ago because the average church doesn't base itself <laughs> on hell anymore. Um, but that, back in the good old days when preachers used to do fire and brimstone messages regularly and then they found that the churches keep diminishing so they stopped doing them. Um, but that's if you do it without the anointing. You've got to do it with the anointing, amen? Mm-hmm. If the Holy Spirit is there in the room and you preach on hell, you'll get the, the, the right effect. So I'm hoping you're getting the right effect right now. Uh, far too much upon hell and damnation. Upon upon an attempt to scare people into being decent and threatening them with the terrors of death and punishment. Just an interesting way of wording what, what's happening. Jesus says, i tell you the truth. I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear him after the killing of the body has the power to. throw you you into hell. He says, fear him. All right? Is that a scare tactic? Yeah. It's a warning. Warnings are scare tactics. Use them in your own life. Wake yourself up. Hell is real. Hell is real. And it says, broad is the road that leads there. And there's going to be more people there than in heaven. And many people will never ever know any other reality except hell. That's all they're going to know forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And you know what they'll be saying? I wish my Christian friends told me about this place. They were too scared to even talk to me about it. Now I have to live in it forever. Isn't that terrible? You know, we we don't like even talking about it. But imagine being stuck there forever. Would you have wished you could go back and talk about it then? And I think I said in the message, I'm just remembering it. (laughs) You'll wish you could come back in time, come out of hell, come back and walk into this church and say, Rob, preach about hell continuously. And shove it down my throat in, a word, in another word. Because he is now or she is now in hell forever. And it's not a pretty place. And guys, don't kid yourselves. The scriptures say it. You have to believe it. Even if you feel like, oh, this is just too hard. This is just too heavy. I don't believe God could be like that and have a place like that. Is it there? Yeah. yeah, it's there. According to Scripture. And you know what? The Holy Spirit testifies to me that it has to be there so that justice would be complete. It's just. It's a just reward for a life of sin and rejecting the Son of God. It's a just place. A just retribution for that. And God saved us and all we have to do is live for him. Amen. But unfortunately the fact that so many men and women don't believe in heaven or hell is why I believe that the world is so morally corrupt. Do you know what? If everyone in the world believed in hell, truly understood what their sins deserve, we would have a whole world of people that never do wrong. I believe that. I believe it would be such a change of culture. They say during revivals, during great revivals like the Scottish Hebrides revival and the uh, revival in Wales where the reality of hell hit them like a ton of bricks and everybody was on their knees in repentance and there was true repentance, true conversions. People were just crying out to God to forgive them. The courts or the magistrates would sit and there'd be no cases to hear And for months and months and months, no one did wrong. The jails were empty during revivals. When the reality of God and the reality of heaven and hell really, really came upon communities of people, people stopped doing wrong. People stopped sinning. Stopped breaking the law. So shouldn't at least the church be like that? You know what I mean? Shouldn't the church at least be like that? All right, let's... Uh, unbelievers on hell, I just want to read you a few quotes. Uh, An intelligent hell would be better than a stupid paradise. Isn't that interesting, Victor Hugo? These are guys who are now more than likely there. Because Victor Hugo assumed that God is not real, then he made the logical connection that all those who believe in God are stupid. And because he and unbelievers like him do not, then he satirically declared hell is where the intelligent ones will be. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's not clever. <laughs> That's not clever. Anyone know that guy? Yes. Christopher Hitchens. Intellectual. Loved to drink. Loved to smoke. Lived a pretty crazy life. Very young to terrify guy. children. Pulls out the children card. Terrify children with the image of hell. To consider women an inferior creation. Is, is that good for the world? That's what, his way of saying that Christianity is, is a poison on earth. Mm. Uh, because Hitchens assumes that God does not exist, then of course he will find whatever clever remark he can to make the doctrine of hell seem criminal by insinuating that it is child abuse to teach that doctrine. And then he links the remark with another seemingly random remark as to enrage women by insinuating that Christianity teaches that women are inferior, ignoring the fact that the culture of the entire world at the time of the writing of the Bible considered women inferior. It wasn't a biblical doctrine, what it was, was that was the culture of the day. Women were inferior. And it was the biblical Christians that had most to do with correcting of that outlook. Anyone know this guy, George Carlin? So have a little fun. Soon enough you'll be dead and burning in hell with the rest of your family. Isn't that nice? So have fun. I couldn't have fun if that was my thought. How could I have fun? How could I go and drink knowing that that's going to be the outcome? Remember, the sermon is about what the world thinks about hell. So you can get an idea. The infection of cruelty with a good conscience is a delight to moralists. That is why I he invented hell. So what he's saying is to moralists, Christians are supposed to be moralists. And he's saying that the infliction of cruelty with a good conscience. So we've got a good conscience and we inflict cruelty. Or God with a good conscience inflicts cruelty. And he says that's a delight. is it a delight to God? Does the scripture say it's a delight to God? No. He so much doesn't want people to go there, he sent Jesus Christ to die. So he actually took the punishment. So it's these guys just don't know the scriptures and they're preying on people that don't know the scriptures. I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. <laughs> Gee, boredom in heaven... I tell you what, it's going to be the—you you get bored on Earth because we're we're in these imperishable, uh, 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 perishable bodies, and and we don't get things right, and you know there's demons all around the place that are influencing us and causing things not go right in your life, and and boredom is a part of this life. In heaven, there is no such thing as boredom. You're going to be so busy, you're going to be run off your feet, but you won't be run off your feet because no. you can't get run off your feet in heaven. Yeah. but. You're going to have so much to do up there. Who can't wait? Who can't wait to go and spend a few hours with Paul? (laughs) I want to go and spend time with Jonah. Ask Jonah a few questions. Got a few questions for Jonah. Got a few questions for Lot, Abraham. You know. By the time you've gone and spent a few days with each of the, you know, patriarchs and the apostles and you know all the other characters and got to know all this stuff, I want to spend time with John. You know, John the Apostle, John. Man. What would he have to tell us? You know, I want to go and spend time with those. Now, that's just the first thousand years of heaven. (laughs) You know, just finding out all that stuff. And that's just the beginning. Then I want to say to God, "Okay, God, can you help me to understand how you created something out of nothing? I want to know. What happened? How did you... What were you thinking when you designed the DNA for the human body? I want to find out those things. And he'll start talking. I'll say, slow (laughs) down. All right, layman's language, please. <laughs> but wouldn't that be amazing to, you know, there's, that's just only, that's only that part of heaven. And then there's the part where you, um, you know, the things that you do in heaven will seem so much more significant than anything you do here. You know, if you're in a job that's quite boring, right, that you don't think, you know, this is not really, apart from giving me some cash each week, it's not really doing me a, a service in my my walk for God. Up there, you get the job, that, a job that's perfectly suited to you and the thing that you just would live to do and you do it for no money because there's no money in heaven. Wouldn't that be nice? Everything's just here, here, here. It's just given. Right? So you, is there boredom in heaven? Could you imagine boredom? There's so much to do. Who gets bored on their holidays when you're laying down the beach and you go swimming and you're snorkeling? And, you know, do you get bored going out on your holidays? You do, Sharon. You can. Yeah. If, well, you can. Yeah. If, you're not, if you haven't got a really good... Uh, what? Husband. Itinerary. You <laughs> need a good itinerary. Did you hear that? You can't shoot your squid. I missed that one. Sharon. Andy, come on. Well, I, I, haven't, I haven't that come back like with this. <laughs> he's always out surfing. She's on the beach watching you. So this is help. And he's saying about now. I'd never have believed it. You remember all we were told about the torture chambers, the fire and brimstone, the burning mar, old tales. there's no need for red-hot pokers, hell is other people. What a lovely comment that was. This, these are real intellectuals that are saying this. Hell are other people. So that's a nice guy to meet, isn't it? You know? Hell isn't other people. So this guy <laughs> contradicts him. Hell is yourself. <laughs> that's the best they can do. That's craziness. I'm showing you this because I want you to see what the world thinks about hell and some really random comments from intellectual men that people follow and believe these philosophies and take them on board. This guy, Christopher Marlowe, hell is just a frame of mind. You ever heard people say, I had a hell of a day? A yeah, frame of mind? I can see that in, in, only in that sort of a setting, but no, it's not a frame of mind. It's well, where, where your mind's framed forever. Who knows these guys? Look what they write. These are lovers of hell. Hey, Satan paid my dues, playing in a and band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on the way to the promised land. So, what do they consider hell? The promised land. Pulled that from the scriptures. Their promised land is hell. I'm on the highway to hell. Ever seen people sing that song? Mm-hmm. Chant it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen more passion in an ACDC concert than you see in church. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Look at these guys. ACDC, they said this as well. I won't take no prisoners, won't spare no lives. Nobody's putting up a fight. i got my bell, I'm going to take you to hell. I'm going to get you. Satan, get you. Hell's bells. He's saying Satan's going to get you. I'm going to get you. Satan's going to get you. And these guys are out there playing to anywhere from 10,000 through to 100,000 people at a time. And they're singing songs that these guys are singing with them, and that they're singing, I'm on a highway to hell. They're programming the minds of the, of the youth and, and our age groups and higher. People who like this band. They're singing that. Corrupting people, getting them into a thing that hell is just a great place to be. Party like hell. You know, who's heard that saying? Party like hell. You know this woman? Look at all the horns around her. I'm going to beat my drum, I'm going to ring my bell, and I don't give a damn if I go to hell. And that's a chant. That's a chant that she sings, and she gets the crowd singing with her. She gets the crowd singing it over and over and over again. Now, I only just did three of them. I could have brought up, you know, thousands thousands of songs from every artist. All the artists that the kids listen to, if they're not Christian, if they're listening to the modern-day artists, they're all singing satanic stuff or sexually-based stuff or stuff about drinking, partying all night. Anything that's sinful, that's what they sing about. And it's programming the minds of the masses. And then when the church brings up hell, people laugh at us. Because to them it's one big joke. And they actually think it's going to be, if they go there, it's going to be a great place to go. But what does the Bible say? The place of torment. So let's quickly go through some scriptures. Luke 16, 23. And it's talking about the rich man and Lazarus. Who's familiar with the story of the rich man and Lazarus? And in verse 23 it says, In hell, where he was in torment. So where he was? In torment. In hell. And uh, the Seventh-day Adventists teach that it's annihilation. They say that God would not send people into a place where they'd be tormented. And I can't understand how they could... Explain that scripture away. Because it says, In hell, where he was in, torment. And he looked up and saw Abraham. And what did he ask for? Who remembers? A drop of water. water, drop Drop of water. Just how much? Just a a single drop. Tell you what. If he's going to get a single drop, wouldn't you ask for a bucket? But he's asking for a drop because he's that desperate for just a drink. He doesn't care if it's just a drop, just a little... Who, who takes a bottle or a glass of water to bed at night? Yeah, everyone? Yeah. Yeah. You should if you don't. And, and, you got your, and, and have you ever had those nights where you've eaten pizza or something and you just go through that water and, <laughs> and it's like only 12 o'clock and you've got the rest of the night and then you're dehydrating? and You know, you know that feeling? <laughs> yes. And you go to the glass and you're too tired to get up and do anything about it. And you go and you just get, oh man, I drank it. <laughs> Who's had that experience? And it's just one little drop. That's all he asked for, that little drop. How bad is it when you need more wood after the pizza? <laughs> Let's keep going. It's a place of fire. Who believes it's a place of fire? Yes. Yeah. So I'm preaching to the choir, by Because you'll get Christians that will come up to you and say, it's not fire. It's not a place of torment. And you go, yes, it is. And it says, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, which is like a swear word, is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says you fool, very careful when I say fool, or stupid, or something like that. But Be very careful how we may accidentally slander someone, especially when you're driving in your car. Have I read it yet? But anyone who says you fool is in danger of the fire of hell. Does it say fire in your scriptures? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mark nine forty-seven. You ready? Let's go to Mark. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of heaven with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the read it together. Fire, oh. Fire oh. is not quenched. Alright, now let's keep on going. It's a holding place. 2 Peter 2 4. Hell is a holding place. The lake of burning sulphur is where people will be for eternity. They won't be in hell for eternity. They'll be in the lake of burning sulfur for eternity. 2 Peter 2.4 For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but he sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. So it's a holding place where they'll be put into gloomy dungeons, held. You know, was hell made for humans? No, it was made for Fallen. The fallen angels. That's who it was made for. It. And that's where it is. It's, you're held in hell. My, my way of looking at it is you go to be with your Lord when you die. If you believed and followed Jesus, you go to be with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present mm-hmm. with the Lord. If you didn't believe in Jesus, then the only other Lord there is, is Lord Satan, little l. And you go to be with him. Mm-hmm. And he's in hell. So you go to hell. And you're held until Judgment Day. So some people have already been down there many thousands of years. There's people down in hell right now who've been held for thousands of years in torment. they are being tormented by Satan and his hordes. You know, the only reprieve they're going to get from those tortures is that moment when they're standing before the God at Judgment Day, before a holy God. They'll be out of the burning for a moment. Judged and then thrown into a place that's potentially even worse. Mm-hmm. The lake of burning sulfur. Mm-hmm. It's eternal. Who believes that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's find out why you believe it. We have the scriptures where it says it. Mm-hmm. Revelation 14, verse 9. A third angel followed them and said in, loud, in a loud voice If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark, there you go, don't receive the mark of the beast. No matter what, even if you have to die of starvation, don't receive the mark of the beast, which is going to be a, a, a chip implant or a tattoo, or an RFID tattoo, or something along those lines. Something that's going to be an identification code which will have all your financial details on it. And the Scriptures say, even though John MacArthur and others have said that uh, you can repent after you've received the mark, have, who's heard that teaching? Yeah. Yeah? Is that possible? Does the scripture say that? It's probably why Jesus says, cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. Maybe you have to cut off your hand, literally. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, off with the hand. I'd rather go into heaven without that than to die with it there and go to hell. So Revelation 14, 9 to 11, and it says, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on, their, on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath, he will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the, of the holy angels and the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises for how long? Forever for and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image. No rest. No rest. Day or night. And, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. Please don't receive it no matter what. Even if you're scared out of your it's just say, sorry, I just can't take this thing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who believes that we're heading rapidly into that time? Yes. It's coming quickly. You know, shouldn't we be getting messages like this everywhere in the church? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't the people be getting mm-hmm. alerted to the fact that the mark of the beast system is already out there, pay wave? Ready to go, you just need the chip implant, now. Yeah? Mm. Cats and dogs have got so, it Yeah, cats and really dogs are already eternally condemned. No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure they can't buy or sell. Even with it. <laughs> Imagine a dog, you know, I'll buy my pouch. No, it's it's um, Is that some countries somewhere they were already doing? Yeah there are. There are countries where people are already willingly taking it on. Mm. Cats. Mm. So um, yeah, don't take the mark, no matter what. It's very, very um, uh, I can't warn you enough. And as the time approaches, I think I'll intensify in the warning. Mm-hmm. Revelation 20.10 20.10 And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night for mm-hmm. ever and ever and ever and ever. Write these scriptures down, guys. Just have them on hand. Revelation 21, verse 8. 21, verse 8. And this is the second death. But the cowardly and the unbelieving, so listen to these things. The cowardly, who would be considered coward?
1: Someone who denies
0: Christ. I believe that. I believe the cowardly would be related to that. Someone who denies Christ. Someone who gives up the faith to save their life. You know? But if you love your life, you will lose it. But if you. Give it up for me, you will find it. So when you're in that position where you're you potentially have a choice of if you if you reject Christ you can be set free for a time. Or you accept Christ uh, sorry, you don't reject Christ and you may be, you know, put to death or going through some certain things. What is it? That that would be what I believe is a coward. You know, someone who um, rejects Christ at at those times. So the cowardly, the unbelieving the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, and magic arts, and I'll always say this, it comes from the word pharmakia, which is also drug-taking. So if, you ta- if, if people are taking drugs, they're, um, they're practicing witchcraft. And it sort of has that effect, anyone who's ever had drugs, it sort of has that effect on you. It, it's like a magic spell comes on you like, nearly instantaneously. Instant. You know, you, we used to call it, when, when I used to take it as a kid, well, not a kid, but, you know, older person... Uh, we used to call it attitude modifier. We got any attitude modifier, just marijuana. But, it was, but not just marijuana, it was marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> because you'd be in one state of mind and you'd, you'd have a smoke of marijuana and then a completely different frame of mind. Completely different. Witchcraft, total witchcraft. Your mind's in another place now. And you're opening yourself up to demonic entities as well. And I used to feel them. I used to feel them. And that, I never went on you know, the harder drugs and stuff but you can imagine what people who are taking these harder drugs mm-hmm. the demonic uh, warfare that's going on in their lives mm-hmm. from that time on must be horrendous what they have to put up with mm-hmm. what they have to battle have I done Revelation 21 8? yep, yep. Isaiah 66 one of my um, a scripture that I, I've, all the years I went to ch- church under different ministers I never heard anyone preach on it so I um like to bring it up, especially in a sermon like this. And it's Isaiah 66, verse 22. Yes. Now, this is talking about once you're in heaven forever and ever and ever, right? You, you, you've been saved, you've been through judgment, you're now in heaven, you're living in heaven forever and ever. And it says, that, as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, so meaning one week to From one Saturday to another Saturday. Because Saturday is the end of the week. That's why they say from one Sabbath to another. Uh, All mankind, those are all the saved, all the saved men and women, will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and look upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. Their worm will not die, nor will their fire be quenched. And they will be loathsome to all mankind. And that blows me away. And I heard another man speak on this actual scripture. And um, and very interesting take on it. And he actually said exactly what I thought it was. People say, you know, how will we not sin in heaven? How will, what, how will God keep us from sinning? And people's answer usually is, oh, they'll just take away the sin chromosome or something. <laughs> you know, whatever makes you sin, that's going to be removed. To an extent, that's going to be true. That will be, he will make it. It would be really hard for us to sin. But to seal the deal on that, every week from one Sabbath to another, we will have to, in heaven, go out and gaze upon those who have rebelled all the centuries or thousands, even millions of years before, who are still burning in the lake of burning sulfur. They're down there. So each week, guys, we're all going to actually, one day we're going to be doing it. We'll be walking out, let's go and, and gaze at the uh, lake of burning sulphur. And we have to go and look. And I don't know how God's going to operate that, that in that time, but we will have to stand there and look upon it until it does something deep in our heart. Until there's something that's done every week that will, just for another week, I will not sin. I won't even entertain sin, not even in thought. Because I'm looking at the consequences of sin. And it is so horrific and it's not getting any easier to look at. And I've been up here a billion years and it's still hard to look at. I've never got used to it. It's still having an effect on me. Would that not keep you holy in heaven? You know? So in a sense, what, what have we got to do now? As Christians, we've got to gaze upon it now. We've got to look upon it. If you're thinking about sinning, if there's a sin coming into your mind, go and get down on your knees and say, Lord, give me a revelation of hell right now. Help me to overcome this temptation right now. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'll tell you who should fear. Fear Him after the killing of the body. has the power to throw you into hell. Fear Him. Jesus says that. Mm -hmm. And I want to make it very well clear. I would not be preaching this if it wasn't in the Scriptures. I don't like preaching it. And I wouldn't be preaching it if it wasn't in the Scriptures. But I don't ignore it because I don't like it. And I don't ignore it because some people don't like it either. Amen? It's got to be preached. It's got to be preached. Hell is thrown into the lake of fire. Who knows the scripture? Revelation 20. Revelation 20, verse 14. And it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And I'll read this as well. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So death and Hades, death and hell, goes into the lake of burning sulphur. So hell is picked up thrown. And I'll just put this to you. There's a, a, a theory, and I feel there's, there's plenty of um, evidence for it potentially being true. Um and the theory is, and, and we know that they say that, the, that hell is in the belly of the earth. Who's heard that inscription? Mm-hmm. Hell is in the earth, mm-hmm. under our feet, down there. Mm-hmm. And they've done um, geologically, I suppose, or whatever they've looked at, the core of the earth, and they say there's a, an area down there and it's hot. Like you go down to a certain point and it's actually cool, like a cave is cool. And who's been into a cave a few mm-hmm. metres below the surface and you're freezing? It's like really, really cold. Mm-hmm. But then you get to a certain point point. Um, miners will tell you that it gets really hot and they know how much temperature it increases every certain metre. It gets hotter and hotter and intensely hot and hot and hot until you know it's potentially molten. So right beneath our earth is evidence of hell in a physical form that a soul can be trapped in in a physical form, because it's probably it's probably encaged spiritually. And it's a hot, hot place. And we have outbursts of hell in volcanoes. As these are places where hell's on the surface, in a sense. It's more evidence for us, because what it is, it's, it's for us to say, well, it's real because it's hot down there, and it's, boils says under our feet, and it's very hot down there. right? It's molten. So that's where people go to be held until the day of judgment. And then this this person, I can't remember his name. Uh, anyone know the name of the guy? Who, who, you may have seen it. it. Is this Asian? Steve. Steve. Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. He's in Melbourne. Yeah. Yes. He yeah. He's a great minister. Great minister. Um, very articulate. Um, great minister. Easy to listen to. And then he talks about um, the lake of burning sulphur. And he believes that just like hell is there for us to view, he believes that the lake of burning sulphur is here for us to view. Somewhere where we can look upon it. And somewhere where it's been testifying, it's been in our face our whole life. Who knows what I'm talking about? Awesome. Yep. The sun. It's right there. And then they, they looked at the surface of the sun and they've, they've called it a lake. Scientists who study the surface of the sun, it's a lake and it's got, um, you know, how they say raining down fire and brimstone. There's flashings of lava or whatever it is, sulfur flares, that's the word, coming up and they come down. You know, and so uh, I think it's in the book of Psalms, it's talking about raining down fire and brimstone upon their heads so the, the lake of burning sulfur so when we go out there obviously God's going to give us incredible vision so we can see right into the lake um, but it's right there in front of us every single day there's the lake of burning sulfur do I want to spend eternity in that? do I want to be sent to that thing up in the sky we call the sun and that's why it says there's, in, in, um, in eternity there's no need for the sun because God will provide the light so what he's saying is I'll take that one away because that's Hell, we don't want to be seeing it every day. But there will be a time you might put us down. I think there's going to be a viewing, I call it a viewing platform, and we can actually gaze into what we used to call the sun, and we will now be calling the lake of burning sulfur. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a valid, a valid theory. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, it doesn't say it distinctly, mm-hmm. the sun is the lake of salt, burning <laughs> sulfur. It doesn't say that in Scripture. But it's a very valid theory. And it is hot enough, don't you think? And you don't want to be thrown in there. I think it's going to be pretty hot. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. pretty hot in there. Yeah. Potentially, probably hotter than in the core of the earth yeah. Yeah, or the belly of the earth. Yeah. All right. So, um, all right. So, I hope that's blessed you. Anyone been blessed? Absolutely. Yes. That's good. Oh, good. had and Sharon, you one of the final church appearances on hell. So, <laughs> you got your message. Yes. <laughs> you <laughs> have to wait a little while for another one. Two years later. <laughs> Two years. All right. Shall we pray? More, more of it. Yes. All right, Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, we give you praise and glory because, Lord, what would we do without you? Lord, we don't want to go, whether the sun is the lake of burning sulfur or not, Lord, we don't want to go there because the description of it in the Scriptures is terrible, horrifying. And Lord, we don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. Lord, we want to stay in in your will because your word says that uh, only he who does the will of the Father will enter in to the kingdom of heaven. So, Lord, help us to know what the will is and help us to do it every single day. And you also say that those that you were sending and casting into hell that you didn't know them. And Lord, so we just pray that somehow by the Holy Spirit that every day you uh, we get to know you afresh, we get to uh, spend time in your presence and that you can say in that day, I know you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lord, we don't want you to look at us and go, who are you? Mm-hmm. Please, Lord, help us as Christians to correct our life so that we can be completely aligned with your spirit so that we don't grieve your spirit so that the spirit will guide us according to your will every single day that our lives will line up with what you expect of your people your royal priesthood your holy people holy nation your people belonging to God Lord help us to become those people and not fail you on this on this uh, or in this life Mm. so I pray right now Lord that the spirit of God will come upon each and every person here and touch them and impact them and transform them Lord so that they can uh, uh, go home and take from this sermon and do something with it that is going to be uh, revolutionary in their life that they will just move to a new level of holiness a new level of commitment and discipline in you and that their prayer life will explode and their biblical life and their reading of the scriptures and studying the scriptures will explode and, uh, and Lord that they will just go from strength to strength in the faith and I pray that not one person here will be lost Not one person here will turn from faith, but will live completely committed to you in every single way. So I pray for your spiritual help, your spiritual companionship, and your direction continuously in our mind and in our heart. So Lord, just bless this time now, bless this uh, fellowship time, and uh, may we uh, have a wonderful time of fellowship as we discuss um, the the things that we discuss, Lord, and, and May you just uh, keep us unified as one body uh, by the power of love, Lord, that we'd all just get along so well uh, by the Spirit of God. I pray these things in the name of Jesus.